Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, friends. Today's guest, a beauty, Tom Burgoyne. Now, you might not know Tom's name per se, perhaps not a household name, but I suspect you would if I told you, uh, let's say who his close friend is. He is, as they say in the biz, a friend of the fanatic. That's right. He's a friend of the Philly fanatic, a very close friend, in fact, of the Philly fanatic. And so I went to visit Tom uh, in Philadelphia and uh, to get a feel for what it's like to be a very close friend of the Philly fanatic. We talked in his office and uh, it was wonderful. Very interesting to uh, have insight from somebody who knows the fanatic so well to talk about uh, the things that make the fanatic special. Tom has been a friend of the fanatic for, uh, gosh, about a quarter century now at this point and uh, really, really likes that job friend of the Philly fanatic. He uh, discusses the health risks involved, the boppings on the nose, the playing with kids, the war stories. It is uh, really, really fun and a very, very fascinating uh, conversation, one you might not get at a typical podcast, but I thought it would be neat to uh, stop by. I'd never been to Citizens Bank Park, went to deep into the bowels, into Tom's office, uh, all kinds of neat stuff all over the walls there, and uh, had a really great time. So thank you, Tom, for taking the time to chat. Uh, I think this completes our round of Philly ones. We've done one with Matt Nelson of Dog Rates. We did one with uh, in Philly. We did one with Jason Stark. And then this one sort of completes the cycle. Wanted to uh, hold on to this one and find a good week for it. And this is a good week for it. So I hope you enjoy. I also hope you enjoy the first of this week's sponsors. And that is Indochino, friends. I am an Indochino fan. And I have one of their suits. And it's great. It was so, so easy to do. Basically, they sent me to one of their showrooms. Uh, and you could do that. They have nine showrooms in North America. And, uh, they fit you. They do everything. Okay. What do you, you know? Let's take your measurements first. All right. What kind of lapels do you want? Do you want pleats? The answer is no, by the way. Uh, all that good stuff. You customize your everything. You submit your measurements and you place your order and you wait for it to arrive. It takes about two weeks, just a few, or a few weeks rather. And, uh, there you go. And it's great. I mean, listen, we all have weird bodies in one way or another. It's all short, misshapen, strange, whatever. I'm a lanky Gumby type. And so it's not easy. It's not easy to find a suit that fits and looks good. But, man, Indochino does such a great job. I love this suit. I've worn it to numerous occasions. I wore it to a wedding this uh, summer and have just worn it around. It's been really great. And uh, it's so damn affordable. It's it's. I'm shocked and, and amazed at it, quite frankly. And here's something even better. Get this. Uh, any premium Indochino suit, you want it, $379. You just go to Indochino.com and you enter the promo code Jonah. Check out J-O-N-A-H. That is it. 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. By the way, 760 bucks or so for a beautiful and terrific suit. Full price is great, let alone half price. And shipping is free. It's Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code Jonah for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a suit that will fit better than any off-the-rack suit you've ever had or ever could have. Indochino.com. Promo code Jonah. Make it happen. It's great. I stand by these guys. They're fantastic. Uh, a few things to report. So, we're back in the rhythms of it, uh, back from Cooperstown, as mentioned, uh, as of last week, of course. And uh, I'm not back to full health. I had this weird eye issue. I don't even know what happened. But that was uh, surreal, being at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony with Tim Raines and kind of not being able to see at the time. But I'm happy to say that I can now mostly see my computer and type. So lots of good stuff coming down the pike. I've got a feature. What is this, Wednesday? So this will – I don't know if it will be out today, but later this week or so, a uh, feature on the Rockies, which I've been working on for a little while. 
They are a really good pitching team this year, which is shocking and interesting. And they're right in my hometown. And I kind of waited a bit to see if they were for real. And then we were set to publish the Rockies piece. And then they lost like seven in a row. And But then they came back, and they're good. And they have a real chance to make the playoffs. And uh, aside from the fact that uh, it's been, what, six years that they've been out of the playoffs in a row and the franchise hasn't had a ton of success, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to commute 12 minutes to the ballpark for the playoffs. I wouldn't object to that. Listen, Wrigley's great. Minute Maid Park, Ray Yankee Stadium, wherever I end up, that's all great. Uh, but, yeah, Rocky's pretty fun. So, yeah, be sure to check that out. Uh, my work at sportsnet.ca, as usual. I'll have a piece on Thursday. And then Carry the 10, which is my weekly CBS column. We pushed it last week, so you're actually getting two this week. One was on Monday and then back to normal on Friday. So all of that good stuff. And also some more fun podcasts are coming as well. We've got a couple more in the hopper. And then that'll be it. And and what I do is um, I travel for all of these. I go in person to various cities uh, because you just get much more chemistry that way. I don't know Shaquille O'Neal or uh, author Irene Carmone or all any of these people. Most of these people, some I do know, I guess. So it's always more uh, productive and just better chemistry to be in person. So uh, if you have an idea uh, for any of that stuff, uh, you can email me, uh, through, let's see, what's the best email? Uh, do Jonah at jonahcarry.com, I believe will get you uh, where you want to go. Or just hit me up on Twitter at Jonah Carey. Might be even easier. If you've got an idea for a podcast, somebody that you think might be interesting, could be like someone really notable and well known, or maybe not. It could be somebody who's doing something cool, some indie musician, some activist, some whatever athlete. I'm up for anything. It doesn't have to be sports necessarily. Uh, I got some really neat political guests, uh, hopefully coming in the next few weeks too, which I think you might enjoy. They're political guests who have sports interests as well, but, um, that should be fun. But yeah, literally anything. I've done a food network chef. I've done all kinds of stuff over the years. I am a polymath or I try to be a polymath and I'm interested in lots of stuff. So yeah, send me suggestions. Hit me up on Twitter. That'd be great. Let us discuss uh, the second sponsor for this week's podcast. That is Policy Genius. Life insurance is a gigantic pain in the ass. I purchased life insurance and I hated doing it. It took a very long time to shop for it, to figure out what I'm supposed to do. I had no idea. I have children. I have dependents. So you have to do it. It's just not fun. It's not the most fun thing in the world to talk about, let alone to do. But it's important. You just have no choice. Look, your dad, mom, like me, whatever, you got to do it. So listen, you got to get it. Here's what you do. Policy Genius. That's the way to go. PolicyGenius.com is the place to go to learn about life insurance, compare quotes from America's top providers, and save up to 40% on your policy which is fantastic. They've placed more than $5 billion in life insurance. It's a simple, user-friendly website. Very, very easy to use. And, and the fact that you can make this process easy, literally one of the most difficult shopping processes you would otherwise normally have, is fantastic. So if you've been putting off life insurance or you want to make sure the insurance you have is right for you, check out policygenius.com today. You can save up to 40% just by comparing policies. Quotes are free. That's awesome. No sales pressure. Zero hassle. You do it yourself. It's easy. PolicyGenius.com. It's life insurance for the 21st century. And thank you to Policy Genius for sponsoring the podcast. And here is this episode of the podcast. It is with Tom Burgoyne, a very, very, very close friend, let's say, of the Philly Fanatic. Enjoy.
How are you, Tom? I'm good, Jonah. How you doing? I'm good. Um, we're in your dressing room, which is uh, on my podcast. We can swear. This is trippy and balls in here. <laughs> I, uh, there's so much. There's a lot of mystery, I think, and mystique behind a mascot, and you just get in and you're like, okay, well, these are the tools of the trade, and the first thing that I saw were the uh, giant feet. Like, immediately you see the shoes. And uh, it just it, it just resonates in a way, and, and I guess mascots are mostly supposed to be for kids, but there's something about them that I'm 42 years old and I'm immediately mesmerized. Oh, shit, like, there's the costume. Uh, before we get into background and all that stuff, do you walk in and still have the, oh my god, I'm the Philly fanatic kind of? Wait, 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 Jonah, I'm <laughs> the best friend of the The best friend of the Philly fanatic, fanatic. yes, <laughs> the handler. Do you still have the, the, the glow? You see me, you know, immediately I met you, you're smiling, you have that kind of glimmer, uh, but you've been doing this for a while, you've been a friend to the fanatic for a while, do you still kind of wake up in the morning and say, yeah, let's go, kick ass? Yeah, I don't know if consciously I think that, uh, because if I did... I just, my head would explode. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's amazing to me that uh, I'm, I'm getting to do this just because uh, I guess who I am, which was when I was a kid, I was the biggest Philadelphia sports fan on the planet, right. you know, and I was kind of a, a class clown, you know, to, and, uh, you know, that kind of kid, you know. So the fact that I'm doing this, I've been able to do this now, this is my 29th season, um, it is mind-blowing, but uh, I guess... You know, like any ball player, athlete who kind of has to keep, you know, an even keel and take mm -hmm. one day at a time and not get too high, get yeah. too low. I really think, uh, you know, that's where my mindset is. I immediately uh, had you pegged, and I say this with all love because I have my own little tells and shibboleths that I'm obviously Canadian, but you offered me some water. I can't even say it. <laughs> and I, said, I have uh, these comedian friends, the Sklar Brothers, they're great, and they... Uh, they have the whole Philly bit and then whatever, and and, um, and, and they say it, and, and so I just I, I hear their voice saying it, and there's something. The fanatic is one of the biggest institutions in Philly. You know, it's 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 the same as as hearing the little tell in the voice. It's the same as saying, well, obviously I'm going to go for a whiz wit. It's the same as all these other things. The, the, it's it's the transcendent mascot. Uh, do you sort of, I mean, aside from the fact that you're representing the local team, do you sit there and say, oh, yeah, I'm the number one guy. Mr. Matt's coming to town. F that guy. I'm better than Mr. Matt. <laughs> no. No. I don't think that at all. <laughs> I personally, this is, I'm trying to be, I'm very sincere. It's, yeah. There are a lot of mask, uh, pro mascots yeah. out there. There are a lot of uh, baseball mascots. You know, we get together for the last 20 years at the All-Star Game, which is pretty yeah. cool. Major League Baseball, since 1996, has been sending... Uh, all the mascots to the All-Star Game. So we get at least once a year, we all get together. Uh -huh. And there's some guys and girls who've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all, uh, so many of them are very, very talented. Right. Most, if not all of them, are better dancers than I am. Uh, you know, most of them are funnier than I am. Um, you know, so, uh, so no, I, I, I definitely don't think of it that, <laughs> that way at all. But... It has been awesome to have the fanatic kind of have this acceptance, I guess, yeah. from uh, not just locally in Philadelphia where it was a smash hit from day one, yeah. but also to have kind of the national appeal. It's it's pretty cool. So the two tie-ins that I have, uh, number one is I'm friends with a guy named AJ Mass. Oh sure, AJ. It yeah. was Mr. Matt for I think two, one or two seasons. Yeah, he short. wrote a great book too. I loved his book. 
And, and uh, that brings me to the question of, uh, which I think is a fundamental question, but the title of his book is Yes, It's Hot in Here. Yeah. And, uh, what, you know, I saw the spray bottle immediately and I'm like, okay, does he carry this in his, you know. <laughs> you know what's in that spray bottle? That's water and vodka. Water and, it's a mix of water and vodka. You put it in a spray bottle yeah. and it keeps the smell from, uh, Smelling too bad. I don't know who can. Yeah, there you go. Well, vodka doesn't smell if I don't work. <laughs> Listen, it's ten in the morning. It's got to be five, five <laughs> exactly. somewhere. Exactly. Um, that's interesting. So the smell, and and I mean, can you? Is the soup laundered conventionally? Can you do that? Is it dry clean? <laughs> no, not right in the bathtub. Actually, when we're uh, in beautiful Citizens Bank Park, yeah, they did build the fanatic a beautiful dressing room, and uh, uh, I always used to give the fanatic a bath. It home in the in the bathtub. Yeah, wool we'll light or deter, light detergent, filled up, and it basically can submerge the whole body. The head you really can't because of the feathers and oh yeah. Else. But I would trash the bathroom. Uh, you know, every time I'd have to wash it and um, wash the fanatic. And uh, my wife, you know, it'd be green fur in the in the, in the drain. <laughs> uh, you know, water everywhere. And she said, you know, when they build that new ballpark, you know, they really should put. Uh, uh, you know, somewhere where you can wash the fanatic down, you know, at the ballpark. And so, uh, sure enough, when, I mean, the guy who built this, the guy, the project manager who built Citizen Bank Park had a billion things on his mind, but I cornered him one day and I said, you know, I could really use like a bathtub or something. And sure enough, they got a bathtub and the fanatic has the only bathtub here at Citizens Bank. Amazing. Park. Yes. And that's, uh, now I'm, I'm asking for a wet bar now and see if uh, the fanatic <laughs> needs one of those too, but. Um. And when you're, uh, when you're carrying the gear, yes. is, I mean, what does that suitcase look like? <laughs> Do you have it like in a dry cleaner bag with the body? <laughs> yeah, yeah, big body bag, basically. Body bag? Uh, I've gotten smart in my old age. There's now, uh, they make these things on wheels, which oh. I just discovered. And, you know, it's, I wish I knew that 30 years ago. My back maybe would be in a little better shape, but uh, uh, wheels are a good thing. So, you know, you talked about growing up a Philly sports fan and kind of evolving to this. Take me through the process of the step-by-step. I mean, from my understanding, there are some people who they become the mascot for the Reading Phillies or, they, you know, they'll do a little local thing and they kind of build their way up the mascot ranks. Uh, in your case, did it work that way? Did you become a Phillies employee and start to bounce around with little jobs here and there and get your way towards the gig? Is there an application process? Is there a casting call? How does you know that work? What? I wish I was that thought out. I wish I had that kind of career arc. But here's the secret, yeah. Jonah. I answered an ad in the newspaper. Wow. That's how it happened. You in know, 1989. Yeah, yeah. You know, most uh, uh, the Fanatic made his uh, big debut in 1978. Yep. And Dave Raymond was the first friend of the Fanatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. Great guy. Good friend. Um and um, also just super, super talented. Uh-huh. Uh, he was one of the reasons why, right, really from day one, a couple reasons why the Fanatic was a, a big success. First of all, Dave's talent. Also, when the Phillies decided to have a mascot, they went right to the best in the business, Jim Henson at the time. You know, who was Bonnie the, Erickson Bonnie is the person Erickson. I've been in touch with. She's on my podcast list, too. Yeah, yeah. oh, you got to talk to Bonnie. She's got all kinds oh, of I know. She, so she came up with the idea. And, and yeah, 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 you know, most people don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she was doing Muppet characters for yep. Jim Henson at the time. And she um, actually is the same, came up with the whole concept and designed a Miss Piggy. So, you know, uh, she was coming off the success of that and, and then got into sports mascots. We were, you know, the Phillies were the first to approach them yep. about that. 
And so, great costume. Uh, and then Dave Raymond, just cr- incredibly talented. And the Philadelphia sports fans who were a little whacked anyway. So I think it made for a, a you know, for this thing to be a big hit right away. Yeah. And so, um, what it started happening and not by design, I mean, the, the phone started ringing off the hook and now everybody wants the fanatic to go to the bank, uh, to cut a ribbon or, a, you know, visit schools and all that. So, uh, Dave always had a helper, um, you know, really almost from the beginning. And uh, so, uh, as a matter of fact, yeah, you know, now you fast forward 11 years, and in ni- a, a important thing happened. The Orlando Magic came into being uh, that same time, and mm-hmm. uh, the general manager there, Pat Williams, a mm-hmm. uh, great guy, and the old general manager of the Sixers, uh, wanted to have a mascot. He thought, oh, go to the best in the business, Dave Raymond. You know, he's, he's had a nice run with the Fanatic. Now he'll be my guy. And uh, Dave said, well, thanks, but no thanks, Pat. Um, and so Pat did the next best thing. He took Dave's backup. He took his ah. assistant, the guy who was helping Dave. So that left an opening, and the Phillies put an ad in the paper, filled out the Enquirer, said mascots want it. And I answered uh, the ad. I graduated. I grew up, again, big Philadelphia sports fan. Went to St. Joe's Prep here in Philadelphia, sure. which is a uh, feeder school for St. Joe's University. Mm-hmm. I was the mascot at St. Joe's uh, Prep. I was the hawk. Nice. Didn't have to flap my arms, uh, you know, 3,500 times at a, at a basketball <laughs> game. Uh, but uh, then went to Drexel University. Um, I was not the mascot there. They have, they're the dragons. dragons yep. Um, but I took a job in business, t- uh, in sales, selling business forms, computer supplies, did it for about seven months, and then you know, I wasn't selling much, so I found myself looking through the one ads and saw this mascots wanted, uh, ad that didn't, uh, say anything about the Phillies or the Fanatic. It just, I, I sent it off blindly, and a week later I get a call that, you know, the Phillies were looking for a helper for Dave. So what does the audition look like? They come in, obviously, you, have to, you know, you have to be It's a not nice IBM, guy. Joan, i got to tell you. It was not an IBM interview. Did you have to put on a suit and perform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, actually. And it was uh, before that, um, it was actually a panel. It was Bonnie Erickson was there, her yep. uh, husband Wade. Uh, Dave Raymond and a couple other people from our marketing department. And so it was kind of this panel, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think of Rodney Dangerfield and Back to School where he's sitting in the middle of a room and they're firing questions at him, you know. Or the um, weirdest American Idol ever. (laughs) (laughs) But but the questions were classic. Like I said, it wasn't IBM. It was, you know, what cartoons do you like to watch? Do you like to dance? They actually had me dance out of the costume <laughs> in front of this panel of people. Like, I've never had to do that in an interview before, and I thought that was a little strange. Um, Presumably sober, too. <laughs> yeah, no I've water and vodka. I've never done that before. Right, exactly. Really, my only training was down the Journey Shore going into bars and having fun and of course. Uh, you know, dancing. Of no. course. But, uh, so, uh, so it was, and then, yes, uh, did actually have to uh, play the character for about five minutes. They videotaped everybody. Yep. And, uh, yeah, they liked what I did, and uh, I couldn't believe it, Jonah. I mean, just you can't even imagine. You know, two weeks later, they, they told me that I get the job, and I just, uh, it, it was just mind-blowing that I was now going to work for the team that, you know, I idolized. <laughs> and, and some fun years, too. You come in in 89 as the backup. 93 is Dave Raymond's last year. We talked about that 93 club. Leaving this fanatic aside for a second, I'm just interested uh, I mentioned to you, I was a big Montreal Expos fan. 93 was such a cool year. That was a really fun race. Uh, what did that 93 team mean to you? They were not only good, but just such a, wow, like really a group of characters. Well, as a Philadelphia sports fan, yeah. you know, and, and setting aside that I worked for the Phillies um, and was in the middle of that whole uh, crazy Amazing. season, no question uh, the 
Well, I shouldn't say no question. The, the, the 1983 Sixers will always have a, oh, a place yeah. in my heart. Uh, fo, fo, fo. Fo, fo, fo. And Dr. J. And uh, they were really Jake's my team. Tony. Yeah. Andrew oh, Tony, the baddest MF forever. <laughs> Nobody could stop Andrew I Tony. My agree. dad was a Celtics fan, so I followed the Celtics. Oh, he was bit. the Boston Strangler. The Boston Strangler. 6'2", 180 maybe? Not a big guy. No, not a big guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, he had, a, he had foot issues soon after yeah. about 83 season, and it, it really cut his career short. But so I love that team. But that '93 team, so so special, uh, so much so that I actually co-authored a book about that uh, team ten years later, called "More Than Beards, Bellies, and Biceps," and it's really the story of that team. Uh, it's, a, it's really, if I do say so myself, and I'm not saying because I wrote, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had some help with it. Yep. Um, a neighbor of mine who is a real writer, uh-huh. and um, he's a great writer, Bob Gordon. Uh, and uh, got me into uh, the writing kick, but um, anyway, got the chance to interview all ten, uh, uh, all the players in that team ten years later, and um, just they, there was so much going on in that that season. It was oh, just yeah. Uh, incredible, yeah, incredible. That's amazing. And so you take over full time the next season, ninety four of all seasons. That was an interesting season too. Um, how much impetus is there on you to come up with your own bits? Dave is a legend. He's done all his stuff. The fanatic has certain beats that the fanatic has to do. Has yes. to do the belly. Has to. There's certain keystones. But do you come in and say, "All right, we're going to give this a go. We're going to give this a go. I wonder if this would work." Yeah. Oh, I stole everything. Okay, <laughs> that, that is also an option. And uh, and by design, certain. Just like you said, you know, the, the, the fanatic and any mascot has a personality. Yeah. They have a personality, yeah. and um, I was not in a position where you know Dave created the the personality for yes. the fanatic. So it was. So it was not like I was starting from scratch. You know, a lot of guys. You know, it's pretty cool to be able to start from scratch mm-hmm. and, and develop a personality for your for the character. Uh, I didn't have that, so I really did. Uh, you know, I, first of all, as a kid, I'd watch the fanatic every day of my life. You know, and then working with Dave closely for five years. So. Um, you know, so I really wanted to mimic, you know, yeah. certainly the movements and, and everything and the classic bits, you know. Um, but no question, uh, I, I wanted to bring my own, you know, spin. And even if it's just uh, when it comes to between innings, there are yeah. a couple times during the game the Fanatic is highlighted here at a Phillies game. And so I thought that's where, okay, I can just, you know, start adding some some new things. And uh, But really wanted to keep the essence of the character and the personality the same. Is there one that caught fire pretty quickly that you're like, oh, yeah, I nailed this one. This is my Tom thing, and we're going to roll with this yeah, in 23 years that's later. funny you say that. Yeah, yeah there, there are a few of them. Because guess what, Joan? I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been I, since Dave's been gone for 24 years. Yeah. I, I still, it, first of all, some people still think I'm the, the new guy. You know, that's Philadelphia <laughs> for you. We're yeah. very provincial. We're very, uh, you know, people are born and die here, and they know what they grew up with. And, you know, Dave Raymond's the fanatic, and, you know, so I'm still the new guy. Which is very cool. Yes. And sometimes, you know, I you know, I still have that too. Like oh, I'm still I'm just and really in actuality I'm I'm just the caretaker right now. You yeah. know, there's the fanatic and the hope is is gonna live forever. Yeah. You know? So and that's that's our goal. Um, but for sure I guess but for, I guess that moment for me might have been uh, maybe a couple of years in and it was uh, ninety six, nineteen ninety six and we came up with the idea of the hot dog launcher. <laughs> and so uh, it was pretty cool. At, at, around that time, you know, people were, uh, you go to a ball game or a basketball game, and, the, and those slingshots yeah. were, were just coming into being where two people hold it, and mm-hmm. then, you, you know, you shoot T-shirts into a crowd. 
And right at the same time, uh, we came out with a new uh, Hatfield Quality Meats, our hot dog vendor. Mm -hmm. came out with a new hot dog. It was a smaller one, a little softer, a little sweeter for kids, like a hot dog for kids. Mm -hmm. And it's called Philly Fanatic Franks. And, well, how are we going to promote it? Well, maybe the fanatic can throw him into the crowd. Maybe he can slingshot him up. Yeah, everybody's doing the slingshot thing. And then somebody mentioned, maybe you can shoot him into the crowd. I'm like, yeah, maybe I can shoot him into the crowd. That sounds good. <laughs> and then so the guys at Hatfield Quality Meats, you know, built this thing. Oh, wow. And uh, they had a guy who did fiberglass work. And I go to, you know, go check it out, see what they're working on. And there's this big fiberglass hot dog. I'm like, oh, I'm shooting hot dogs out of a hot dog. Okay. So, uh, so then that, and, and that was nice. 1996, and I thought, ah, you know, maybe uh, it'll last a couple years. But people love the hot dog launcher, uh, and it just kind of mixes in with everything the Fanatic does, you know, in that fifth inning, which is, you know, he might dance with a coach, he might dance with a, a dance team, he might do some kind of other skit. Uh, and then, you know, so it's not every night we're shooting hot dogs, but when I do, the crowd just goes crazy. How do you size up an opposing player or coach that you're going to... I use this term uh, playfully, hassle, obviously, they're in on it. But um, are there conversations beforehand? Do you kind of have a scouting report on, oh, I know that Lucas Duda is a good, uh, yeah, he'll totally go for this or whatever. I mean, uh, well, even Syndergaard, right? I mean, the yes. Syndergaard bit this year was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So how is it? Is it kind of, how do you... Hash that out beforehand, because if you go to the wrong person, eh, it's not really going to work. So how does that all come together? Yeah, well, it's definitely, going back even, uh, it's just a history that it was part of the genius, you know, if you want to say Dave Raymond yeah. was. And, you know, again, I think Dave and I talk about it all the time, like, uh, you know, how um, a lot of this happened by accident. I think it was real natural for... For Dave, and of course, given the blessing from Bill Giles, who was yep. our marketing guy at the time, later became our president and uh, chairman. Mm -hmm. uh, but to be able to give, you know, given that freedom, uh, you know, to you know, sometimes I go and, like I said I, before, that some of these other guys are really talented. But you know, if your boss is telling you, "Oh no, you can't," you know, mess around with a player, yeah. or you can't go up on the dugout, or you can't do this, can't do that then it's all for naught. And um, thankfully, Dave was given that freedom, and it was just natural that, oh, the Fanatic's going to goof around with the players. But it was really kind of revolutionary. Cutting edge, yeah. Really cutting yeah. edge, yeah. And getting into wrestling matches with the umpires. And, <laughs> you know, I love seeing some of those old clips. Like, the Fanatic used to really go after, you know, go after it with the umpires. I mean, literally, like, physical, really good physical. <laughs> those those times are kind of gone. The umps got a little too PC, I think. Although, and, I think uh, Joe West is still here from 1978. <laughs> yeah, Joe West is still around. Yeah. <laughs> so have some fun with Joe. There still are some umps that the fanatic can have some fun with. Yeah. But um, so that and and basically that still happens naturally that interaction. And I generally wait for the the player to to instigate. Okay. You know? So um, and you can read it, Jonah. I mean, uh, even when it comes to you know as the fanatic when he approaches a fan, you know if a guy's watching the game, he's keeping score, yeah. and he could care less about this very Muppet that's coming its way, <laughs> you know, generally you, you, you go past that guy. You, you really, it can be a split second determination is, is if, okay, this is somebody who wants to have fun. It could be a guy in a Mets jersey and looks like he's, uh, you know, 
not going to play around. Or it could be a guy in a Mets jersey who says, hey, Fanatic, down in front. You know, who knows, you know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. this guy wants to play around. Same thing with the players. I mean, Syndergaard jumps on the Fanatic's four-wheeler and takes off with it. So good. Uh, you know, I know uh, Jose Batista, you know, two years ago in spring training, you know, wanted to do kind of this little duel with the Fanatic that went viral. And those things just happen. I'm always surprised. Really? Yeah, yeah. They just, oh, sure. And, and that's... Wait, that's, did you know? You did not know Syndergaard was going to get on the ATV? No, of course not. Wow! No, 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 no absolutely. <laughs> and it's happened before. It's funny. Yeah. Other guys have done that. Yeah. But, okay, the timing's right. Syndergaard is a kind of a, a flamboyant um, player. Yeah, guy, yeah. Uh, Big you know, personality. New York Mets. Sure. Uh, they're playing well. Spotlights on that team a little mm-hmm. bit in him, and then he does something like that, and then it kind of goes viral. But mm-hmm. other than that, no, you just never know, and it can happen uh, any day. And that's what makes it fun. Who are some of the players that you've enjoyed uh, playing around with the most over the years? Yeah, uh, you know, there, there could be the, the smaller uh, players that you don't hear of. Yeah, yeah. I always think. Oh, of you name any utility infielder for the last twenty-three years. From Chucky Carr. Chucky He stole like sixty bases one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good career. Uh, you have um, Mark Kotze would have fun with the fanatic. Nice. Um, you know, and then you have players like uh, Mike Piazza was always good. At least once a series, he would come in and he was the only player the fanatic would do this to. And that is, he's a Philly guy by the way. Oh, Piazza. Philly yeah. guy. So he gets the whole yeah. Philly fanatic and everything else. But it's the only thing we would do. Would he'd come out, and I don't know how this started, but we would do an arm wrestling match. So the fanatic would kneel down behind his four wheeler, put his arm, you know, up on the seat of the, and then Piazza would challenging Piazza, and Piazza would walk out of the dugout, and we'd go back and forth and strain like who's going <laughs> to win it, and. I'd usually let him win. Uh-huh. <laughs> or the Fanatic would. Let's, I would never let him win. No. The Fanatic would let him win and because it's pretty funny because he, he, he'd play along and go back and forth, but then he'd kind of flip the Fanatic over and the Fanatic would do like three somersaults and flop on the ground like an idiot. So, <laughs> um, and then I guess the guy I always think of uh, is Joe Carter. The guy in oh, 93 wow. sure, yeah. who hit the home run. And the, here's the quick little history. So Please. you know the history. He hit a home run yep. in game six of the 93 World Series. Uh, the, you know, uh, in spring training, Clearwater, Florida, is very close to Dunedin. Dunedin, right. Yep. Very close. So um, the next year, the Fanatic is down in uh, spring training, and there's Joe Carter because we're playing Toronto at spring training. And the Fanatic is, you know, giving them the Business. You That's know, one of your first assignments as the full time. Yeah. One of your first assignments as the friend of the fanatic exactly full time. Right. Right. I had taken yeah. over from Dave yeah. right after that right. World Series, yeah. and um, so this was my first spring training. But the first game I'm doing, there's Joe Carter. Wow. So uh, and so you know, giving him the business and pretending to skip. The fanatic had a real problem with the way he skipped around the bases. He you know, skip. so of course the fanatic is going to skip like a little girl every time he sees Joe Carter. So anyway, it goes back and forth. 1997 comes, and that's the first year of interleague play. Mm. And so uh, Toronto comes to Philadelphia that first year. They wanted to have the rematch. Mm-hmm. Well, the fanatic's thinking, okay, you know, Joe Carter, like, you know, the guy who killed us in 93 is making his triumphant return. And so the the same dummy that the Fanatic would dress up for Tommy Lasorda and beat the heck out of all the yes, people. Yes, yes. Well, we used that same dummy, but I had a guy, um, couldn't find a Joe Carter. Can you imagine? I couldn't find a Joe Carter jersey in Philadelphia. <laughs> like any sports, <laughs> sports stores didn't have him. So I had a guy in our sales office who was a great artist, and he actually painted 
a Toronto jersey. Cool. It looked awesome. It yeah. was great. I put that on the four on the uh, the dummy. Go out there in between innings in the fifth inning. And the fanatic is beating the heck out of this thing. And out of the dugout comes Joe Carter, grabs the dummy. He pulls a Lasorda because he whacks the fanatic <laughs> over the head with it. And Joe's a big guy. Yeah, sure, yeah. Literally, veins are bulging out of his neck, his biceps. <laughs> he goes into the dugout. I'm like, ah, I think maybe the fanatic is, you know, maybe uh, t- taking it too, too far this time. Yeah. Know? And... Um, uh, so I laid off from the next Saturday. I didn't do anything. And then Sunday, uh, I wanted to get this jersey that the guy had painted. Yeah. Signed. Yeah. And so I go into the visiting locker room. I'm like, hey, Joe. And he goes, where, hey, Fanatic, where were you yesterday? <laughs> you, know, you, you know, the fans come out to see us. You know, getting into it. He goes, today I'm going to flip your Fanatic's four-wheeler. So I'm like, hey, bring it on, Joe. So it's the... Uh, National Anthem ends. Joe Carter comes out of the dugout. He flips the four-wheeler on its side. Wow. And then goes out in the outfield and calls the Fanatic out. This is just for the game. So the Fanatic had a water soaker in his hand. He drops it. He goes out to shallow right field. And now they're out there, mano a mascot, (laughs) in a little sumo wrestling pose. And the Fanatic and Joe are wrestling in right field. Our team... Is we're, we're taking the field where they've been introduced, and we're and the fanatics still out there with Joe Carter wrestling around. So clearly, a guy who gets it, you know. And, yeah. and I'd hate to admit that I like Joe Carter, but uh, he was just one guy who really kind of got into it. Um, that's amazing. You mentioned Lasorda. Sorry, I mentioned as an Expos fan. There's a notorious game in 1989. It's notorious for many reasons at Olympic Stadium. One of them is that it was a zero-zero tie for the first 21 innings. Zero, zero. That's an exciting game. Yeah, I stayed the whole time. Uh, <laughs> of course you it, did. It got, of course I did. You're a maniac. I was 15, 14, and um, uh, Rick Dempsey ended up winning it. He was about 100 years old by then. He had a home run to win it. He was literally like 44 years old or something at that point. So anyway, uh, during the game, Yupi, the Expos mascot, yes. of course, great mascot. Bonnie Erickson designed as yeah, well. The well, first bilingual mascot. Very well. <laughs> speak some other language, too, exactly. I think. So, um... You be getting a little rambunctious, little this, little that. Puts on pajamas to indicate that it's late at night. Very good fit. Like that a lot. And you be notorious for kind of running and the slide on the dugout is the Yupi move. And Lasorda's having none of it. And he's not kidding. Because Yupi is kind of taunting the Dodgers. It's, you know, he's getting pokey. It's, it's Wednesday night. It's one in the morning. It's the 16th inning or whatever. And Lasorda turns to Bach and Bob Davidson. Get this joker out of here. Yupi got tossed. They nice. tossed you. I've never seen that happen before, yes. ever. So I'm wondering, you know, there's consent. Joe Carter's in on mm. it. Lasorda's in on it. Have you ever gotten yourself in hot water? Have you ever transgressed? You know what? I, it's so funny. I've been asked that question a hundred times. Yeah, uh, hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. And I always have a really hard time coming up with an example. I, right. I um. It's like I go blank because it's been... I've had guys who are like, hey, you know, take off. There, there's one move the Fanatic might do, you know, when he's out there yeah. messing around with the players. They're doing their calisthenics kind of. And they go down on their back and they're kind of, you know, on their back and doing some calisthenics. Mm-hmm. The Fanatic will go around them and, say, and you know, do a little uh, belly womp over their face, basically. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a fun move. They always get the reaction. Let's just put it that way. Sure. And there, but there was a guy in spring training. He, he played for Toronto, as a matter of fact. And he said, if, you know, "Get out of here! I'll rip your head off." You know? Okay. Like, so you know, I was like, "Oh, okay, yep, I'm leaving now." You know? <laughs> uh, 
But I, and, I, and I don't even know who that player was, but I'm trying to think of other players. You know, I'll give an example like Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn yeah. was like a, like focused as you can be yes. for the game. So, like, I'd be, and meanwhile, the San Diego Padres, you know, West Coast team, generally West Coast teams are a little bit more laid back, and the Padres mm-hmm. have always had a great time with the Fanatic. And here, all his players are getting into it with the Fanatic. They're, you know, stealing the keys out of the four-wheeler. They're, you know, whatever they're doing. And Tony Gwynn, I would try to, you know, get some reaction, and he would just look, just stare right through me. Wow. Right through the Fanatic. They yeah. were just, you know, just, uh, yeah, so, so focused for the game. But never, he never had a bad word, mm-hmm. just, um, so, I, yeah, I, I have a hard time coming up with players who really hated the Fanatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Lasorda was just, another Philly guy, by the way. Just yes. like he I know. was not having it. It was an interesting kind of thing. Um, I wanted to ask you also about, uh, I am thinking, and I will edit this out as soon as I come up with my question, I'm looking at the 28-minute mark. Um, I wanted to ask... Hey, while you're asking, yeah. can I tell a funny fanatic? Yeah, not please. A funny mascot story? Please. This is, Let's do it on the record. This does yeah. not include the fanatic. Okay. It, it's just, it is a... Uh, it's just, you talk about, um, yeah, you'd be getting tossed. Yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, the Fanatic did a, uh, a game in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. the Harrisburg Senators. Uh, it was the year Mariah Carey's... Um, the pitch? Uh, no, Mariah Carey, uh, the song, Hero. Oh, Hero, okay. So the Fanatic would have his girlfriend, Phyllis Fanatic, yes. go out there in a dress and dance around a player. That year, actually, the Fanatic danced around Michael Jordan down in Birmingham. Cool. He was playing right field, and Jordan was great. He went along with it, um, and... Uh, but one one uh, game, the Fanatic did it around an umpire, goosed him in the fifth inning, and he tossed the Fanatic. He, the Fanatic usually does a seventh inning routine, and he said, nope, you're done for the night. Wow, <laughs> so, so yeah. it did happen. Uh, an umpire with no sense of humor. But no, this is my favorite story. Right. Similar to Yuppie, uh, the Phillies are playing Baltimore, interleague play in Camden Yards. The bird is on the dugout doing uh, his thing, and they're about to sweep the Phillies. So he's got a broom on the Phillies dugout in the ninth inning of a Sunday afternoon game. And John Vukovic, the late, great uh, John Vukovic, who was our longtime coach uh, here in Philadelphia, has got a temper on him, and he's looking up at the bird, and he wants to rip the every feather off the the guy. Mm -hmm. So the game ends. The bird is now, the bird, let's put it this way, the bird's best friend, uh-huh. Bromley Lowe, is in his dressing room and um, he's on his phone and the door flies open and it's John Vukovic, our coach, and he says, where's the bird? <laughs> and the guy, Bromley, has the wherewithal. You think mascots don't have a brain, Jonah. He looks at this guy who's ready to kill somebody and says, oh, sorry, you just missed him. He left it five minutes ago. <laughs> You tell that bird, if I ever see him up on our dugout with a broom, I'm going to take that broom and shove it right up his butt. <laughs> so good. Well, and you talked about getting together at the All-Star Game and, and, and all that. So aside from the fact that it's camaraderie and you can go out for a drink after, what have you, um, is there notes comparing? Is there, hey, new guy, like, let's have a chat. How are you doing over there? And did the new dinger or whatever. I mean, what, what is that? It's like, like an ESPN commercial gone wrong. It's like, you know, you got the, you know, the Baltimore bird wearing uh, the Billy the Marlin's head, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, things can get a little crazy. Uh-huh. Um, do we share notes? There's a lot of bitching and moaning that's going on, generally. Right. Uh, and, but it's actually pretty cool. It's, it's, it's good in that, uh, you know, it's such a small fraternity yeah. of people, you know, uh, baseball mascot, but yeah. any mascot. It's a small profession. So nobody really, really understands the life, mm-hmm. you know, and w- what it's like 
99% of it of is, is great, you know, but like any job, there's, you know, that 1%, you know, sure. and we're lucky if it's only 1%. There's alcohol in the stands and so yeah, forth. And just yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Just deal, whether it's dealing with the heat or dealing yeah, with people who are, you know, aren't into it or not being able to do what you want to do, you know, yeah. some guys. Um, so it, it is really a great opportunity for us to kind of compare notes. Uh, you know, we're not alone in this and, uh, uh, it's always a great time of year to get together with those guys. So that takes care of the smell, the vodka and water. How do you deal with the heat? The heat, um, you know, I've, it's so funny. People are so nice because I've been sent, you know, cooling vests and cooling yeah. systems. And people will mail me everything, you know. And I've tried a bunch of different things. And you know what? Um, it all kind of bogs me down. I, you know, it's right. just it's just simpler to pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And, uh, you know, the key... Is is you, you can't be out there too long, or you lose your you lose your steam. You know, you yeah. really do have to kind of break it up. Make sure you're taking your breaks. You know, and getting enough water. I love going to minor league parks, and you know, they'll put a you know like a high school kid who's like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna be the or I'm gonna be the mascot, I'm gonna be the mascot, and you know, he's the mascot for the local team. It's great. And then, you know, it's a four-hour game, and the, and the people who were running the team had no idea that, oh, it might not be, you know, something you can do for three or four no, hours straight. No, <laughs> You know, and so by the, you know, this kid's first game, he's so excited. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be the greatest. And by the fourth inning, he's, you know, dying of dehydration, and they're sending him to a hospital. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to really be smart about that, and, um, you know, I've tried to, you know, do that. I have a friend uh, who I just saw a couple of days ago in Dallas. He was the SMU Mustang in uh, college, and he said that uh, he lost 12 pounds in water weight one, one day. Wow, how yeah. about that? Yeah, I guess he it's Texas. Is that water weight or beer weight? That oh, sounds like be, he's in Texas, weight. he's drinking, you know, eight six-packs after the game. and <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I also wanted to ask you about injuries, about what was the, you know, I mean, anything like, ACL level, or I mean, like sprains? Well, no, and not to that level. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been blessed to be able to do it this long and uh, not have a lot of serious injuries because that would be a serious injury. Yeah, um, it's all mobility. You can't mess yeah, with that. Yeah, and I've had back issues for 24 years. I fell off a, a dais at a banquet and uh, wrecked my back just before I took over for Di- Dave's event. The timing wasn't great. So I've had back issues for a long time. Um, but, uh, and then, so I, I had this stretch where, you know, just, just no, you know, no injuries, but then I had this five-year stretch where, um, Greg Norton, utility player for yeah, the sure. Atlanta Braves threw a, threw a ball and hit, hit me right in the nose, broke my nose and my, uh, orbit bone. Wow. Uh, I had a, uh, Wait, it broke your nose while you were in the yeah, head? Yeah, in costume. Wow. Uh, and it was, uh, it was crazy. They, they knew, I think they, they got me, and, uh, you know, but there I am, but I, you know, you gotta gut through it, so, uh, yeah. it's the national anthem, and I'm, you know, bleeding, and, you Holy know, moly. I can feel, you know, my eyes shutting, and, you know, it, it really got me, oh, boy. and, uh, uh, they took me to a, a hospital that night. I could not finish the game. The mascot hospital. Uh, mascot hospital. So there's the animal hospital, there's the people <laughs> hospital, you got the mascot the vet. They took the fanatic to the vet, and the, the, vet. Very nice the cool thing about it was, yeah. Bradledge, our reliever at the time, sure. struck out. Greg Norton with the bases loaded in the ninth inning to, to end yes! the game. That's how that game ended. <laughs> I'm in the emergency room and I'm getting these texts like, you know. <laughs> so I went in and I shook Brad Lidge's hand the next day. And, uh, Very nice. But yeah, so I've been dinged a little bit. I had a concussion up at a, uh, oh, a minor awesome. league game. Yeah. Um, that was that was pretty uh, 
pretty funny. That went viral, that one. That was uh, the next day that uh, Matt Lauer had his telestrator uh, out and was showing exactly where the ball hit the Fanatic in Lehigh Valley. <laughs> and it hit the Fanatic in the neck. But miraculously, I wound up with the concussion, you know, and the eye that, you know, uh, shut. But, um, yeah, so I've been dinged and donged, but nothing um, too serious. Yeah, so far, so good. I'm hanging in there. Well, and, and I guess it kind of brings up the obvious question, which is the shelf life of a mascot. I mean, that you back up for five, you know, main gig 24th season. It's, it's a lot. You know, I'm in my 40s, and I'm just trying to imagine... I go to the gym sometimes, but this is serious business. These are acrobatics and dancing and, mm-hmm. and, and being out there. And, and uh, you know, you seem like you're in pretty good shape, but still, there's just a certain amount of wear and tear. Uh, first of all, just how do you kind of manage that on the day-to-day? Does it feel more difficult than when you were 31 uh, or whatever? Yeah, some days it yeah. does if the back is acting up. But other than that, no. I mean, That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So, you know, it's kind of new territory because... Uh, I think traditionally uh, a performer uh, like this and a sports, you know, mascots, uh, nobody really knows. It's kind of a, you know, really kind of didn't start till the late 70s and into San the Diego 80s. chicken, maybe. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was around for a while. He's yeah, and he's, while. he's older, and Dave, I'm looking at Dave. Dave's the old guy, you know. Yeah. He's the young guy. Wait, is Dave still <laughs> doing it in Orlando? Uh, he's not. No, okay, no. I was going to say, wow. So, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there, and, uh, cool. you know, as, as long as uh, the team will have me and I'm healthy, I'm feeling good. That's good. Um, okay, well, I mean, one last question, which I do at the end of every podcast, is I always ask the guests for a life tip, a nugget of wisdom, something that keeps them going, and this is such a unique vocation to be doing. So, uh, what do you got? You know, I meet you in a bar, and I say, hey, I'm Jonah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, I'm Tom, nice to meet you. Oh, yeah, this, this is my thing. This is what you need to know about me. This is how I live my life. Hmm. Well, uh... And sometimes it's hard to evaluate yourself, you know? It's always sure. what people tell you. People always tell me, like, oh, boy, you always seem happy all the time. You or, do seem yeah, happy. Yeah, but, uh, so, and I've always been that way, I mm-hmm. guess. So that's a pretty good uh, way to go through life. You know, I wrote this new book, too, Jenny. I mentioned... Um, feel the love. Feel the love. I, I love wordplay. P-H-E-E-L, the love. Yeah, you know, it's feel the love. And, and I'll tell you real quick how that started. As I mentioned... Um, I co-authored a couple books with my friend Bob Gordon. Yeah. Uh, I've got 15 children's books that I've written about the Philly, life of the Philly fanatic. The last one we did. Best rain delay best ever. Rain delay Which ever. my kids are definitely going to read as soon as I bring it home. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the, the best rain delay ever. I had a, a cameraman uh, last home set because we just gave this out. And he goes, you know, I read your book. You know, and this guy's this guy's been doing. Uh, he's been a camera here for a guy for over thirty years. Yeah. Here. So you know, I, re- I read your book because I just had to see. You know what the best rain delay ever is. You know, camera guys hate rain. Del- you know, right. rain. Obviously, you know it's the it's the bane of their existence. But um, so anyway, kids' books, and then uh, this field of love. I, I wound up uh, partnering with a guy who runs executive retreats. Uh, he builds executive uh, teams, yep. business in the world of business, um, goes into companies and culture change and improving culture. And he saw me speak. Uh, I, I've done a lot of speaking mm-hmm. uh, over the years, telling fanatic stories. He saw my, my talk and he said, you know, you really have a lot going on here. And we, we, I just told stories to Evan. Evan Marcus is his name. Yep. And uh, he said, you know, this, the fanatic is a story about love. It's really all That's about nice. love. You know, when the fanatic is out there doing his thing, he leads with love. He, people love the fanatic because, you know, uh, he loves them first. He's out there hugging, high-fiving. He goes into the community. Um, there are all these things. So we, we kind of stepped step back and we, we looked at 
What does the fanatic do? How does he generate this excitement? It's the coolest part of my jo- job, Jonah. Mm-hmm. When I'm, you know, whether I'm as the, you know, as the fanatic, to see that reaction of people, you know, just they go crazy. I mean, really, really crazy. It's yeah, I can. You know, think of uh, the Beatles and a hard day's night. You know, I mean, when the yeah. fanatic gets mobbed by people, they're screaming fans. It's it's insane. And then even out of costume, you know, when I tell people what I do, the first words out of their mouth, especially if you're in the Philadelphia area, but, oh, I love the fanatic. Yeah. So it's like, well, how is it? And how can businesses, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if, you know, everybody loved your business as much as people loved the fanatic? Or yeah. how do you generate that enthusiasm, that excitement? So we explored that whole idea, that whole notion, and uh, it's pretty cool. So I guess if I had to sum it up, it would be love. You know, that that's uh, it, it sounds like a weird word to, to use, especially in business when Evan and I go and kind of talk to some of these uh, folks. But, uh, but everybody gets it because uh, it really is what it all comes down to. I will cheat, and I have to add one quick follow-up question, which is you do go on the circuit. Uh, you do identify yourself as a friend of the Fanatic. Yes. Um, other mascots, other teams don't necessarily abide by that. It's kind of shrouded in mystery. Yeah. They won't make the, 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 the person behind the mascot available. Yeah. Uh, what is it about the Phillies that it seemed like this was the right move? What, what, what are, I guess, the pluses and minuses of being out there versus not? Yeah, yeah, and I, I totally think it's great either way. I yeah, think it's yeah, really I cool it. when, you know, I know guys who've been doing this for a long time and nobody knows nobody they've been knows. doing it, and it's really cool. I think... Dave Raymond was such a uh, an outgoing guy. He was actually a uh, a host for a, a dance, a national dance show, Dance USA. He was the host wow. of this show. So good in front of the camera and uh, good, uh, you know, could talk. And so I think the Phillies saw an opportunity, like, hey, we could have some fun with this. That, yeah. You know, Dave Raymond is the the friend of the fanatic, and uh, that's how you know when I'm generally being interviewed uh, in the Philadelphia market, everybody plays along. You know, I've slipped a couple times in this interview, Jonah. You know, <laughs> Are your secrets safe with me? We're going to, like, overdub it or bleep it. <laughs> no, or no, it's, it's all good. And I think, uh, you know, it's very important to me, too. You know, I talk about I get together with the other mascots. It's like, I, I want to have their respect, too. And I don't want to be a guy who's, you know, it's like, you know, the uh, we're the magicians, Penn and Teller. You yeah. know, we're giving up the secrets. Yeah. And I try to, um, I think it's really a fascinating world. Uh, this world of mascots. Uh, there's great people involved with it. Uh, they're funny stories. I mean, I can't wait till we're all old and gray, and we should just have our own nursing home, you know, our own <laughs> home, and we all just sit around, and we could just, we literally could talk for years on, on the stories. So yeah. I think it's cool that, I you know, I, hopefully I've, you know, in some of the books I've written have kind of unveiled, you know, and pulled the curtain back a mm-hmm. little bit. I'm hoping I'm doing it in a tasteful way that people yeah. take it. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, how many 14 and under uh, do you have listening to your podcast, Jody? You know, hopefully uh, not too many kids are, but uh, but also I think we try to bail it. Uh, so uh, there's still a little mystery there, but it's a lot of fun, and it's cool to bring people in on it. Well, you're being an ambassador in all the best ways. You're talking about spreading love. You're not. It's not a, a self-glory tour of here I am. It's, yeah. it's honoring this whole conversation, you honor the fanatic. I yes. mean, that's fundamentally what it is, which I think is that's the name of the game. Yeah, well, let's honor, let's honor all hail the fanatic then, Joe. There you go. I like the sound of that. Well, that sounds like a cult. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right, thanks, Jim.